Beautiful. Thank you, Ellie and Evan. Good morning, friends. Good morning. Welcome to Mars Park United Methodist Church on this ninth Sunday after Pentecost. My name is Uyan Kim, one of the pastors here. We're so grateful that we can join together in worship in person as well as online. Please let us know who you are, how we can pray for you, how we can connect with you through our ministries. You can do so by filling out the hospitality pads at the end of your pews, pass it to your neighbors. There's also a QR code at the back of your bulletin. And for those of us joining us online, wherever you may be, there is a virtual hospitality link that you can click on to connect with us. Especially if you're a first-time visitor or relatively new, we wish to hear from you and let you know of the ministries of our church. One quick thing I wanted to highlight for you before I invite Pastor Bill to share further. Our senior pastor, Dr. James Howe, he ends his sabbatical tomorrow. He'll be back with us starting Tuesday, and he'll join us, obviously, for worship next Sunday as he brings the good word. We're so excited and ready and grateful to welcome him back, and he looks forward to being with all of us here. Uh, Pastor Bill, so grateful to be with you today. What else is going on? I would call your attention to this week in Myers Park, all the many ministries and ways that you can get involved in the life of this great church. Also in your worship bulletin, you'll see all kinds of events, opportunities for service, and also uh, activities which are just for our joy. For example, uh, on August 2nd, on Wednesday at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary, we have the Midsummer Night Serenade, which is our annual hymn sing. Hope you'll come out 7 o'clock on Wednesday here in the sanctuary and join us for some beautiful music. And now let us continue to uh, move forward with an attitude of worship.
Confirmation of Faith this morning is printed in your worship bulletin. Let us unite in this historic confession of our Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence ye shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It is a privilege to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism. Lindsay and Jonathan Antonio bring their son, Graham Alexander, along with his granddad, Pastor Ron. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we're initiated into Christ's holy church. We're incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. So on behalf of the whole church, I ask you now, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to renounce evil and repent of your sins? If so, say, we do. We do. do you confess Christ as your Savior, put your trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord? If so, say, we do. We do. And will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, profess his faith openly, and lead a Christian life? If so, say, we will. And to you, the members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, will you include this family now before you in your care? Will you proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? And will you surround this family with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others? And will you pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life? If so, answer with the words, we will. We will. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured into water of a womb. 
who was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Antonio, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, so let your light shine before others, that they may come to know God the Father in heaven. Child of God, as you grow in age, may you also grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We rejoice and welcome you to the family of God. I invite you to turn your worship bulletins now to the prayer confession which is printed there and let us confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us towards you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. And hear the good news this morning. Christ died for us while we're yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading is Genesis chapter 29, beginning with the 15th verse. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? 
Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful and lovely. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go in to her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah, and Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, It is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to wife. This is the word of God for the people of God. On this very space, I presided over a wedding yesterday, Saturday, and I can guarantee you that that wedding went way better than Jacob's wedding that you just heard about from Genesis 29. So here's a quick confession. I, uh, I get annoyed very easily and often, and I hope that some of you can relay. Early on in our marriage, my wife used to say, Uyan, if you continue to boycott everything, there won't be any places left to go and people to see. <laughs> she gets annoyed by my annoyance. I'm not proud of it. I don't like it. It's something that I've been working on, something that I've gotten better at, but it's something that I still wrestle with to this day. Here it gets when it gets a, a little bit more trickier. It's somewhat problematic perhaps really problematic, when I find that I'm annoyed by someone or something and nobody else is annoyed by that person, right? then I start asking myself, is this something wrong with me? Is it me? Why is nobody else bothered by this said person or thing and I'm the only that seemingly is so disturbed by what's going on here? Carl Jung, a Swiss psychiatrist, the founder of analytical psychology, he suggests that the reason why some people irritate us so much is because they embody something of ours called the shadow side. Shadow side is a part of ourselves we don't like, aspect of our being that we've hidden away, tucked away in secret so as not for us to address them. So to put it simply, those that we find to be so bothersome and annoying, Jung would say that they're just reflections of our own shortcomings, uh, the things that we've hidden away, and therefore we wish not to be around them, for they remind us of the aspects of our lives we'd rather avoid. So, if Jung is right, according to him, someone like me has a lot of shadows <laughs> because I am often annoyed. I'm going to take some of your nods and your laughters as saying, 
we're in the same boat, yeah, but I'm not the only one to have experienced this. He writes, the shadow personifies everything that the subject refuses to acknowledge about himself and represents a tight passage, a narrow door whose painful constriction no one is spared who goes down to the deep well. Shadow side not only perhaps speaks certain truth to me and for some of us, but I think it speaks well to what's going on within the dynamic of relationship between Jacob and Laban. So here's a quick recap about Jacob. Uh, he has a twin brother, Esau, who is older. They're the sons of Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac is getting on in his years, nearing the end of his journey. So it comes time for him to anoint blessings, specifically blessings reserved for the oldest son. Jacob does not like this one bit. I imagine perhaps as a younger son, just by a few minutes, mind you, that he has felt a certain kind of way most of his life, that he seemed that he was the less visible one in the eyes of his father compared to his older brother Esau. So he decides to deceive his father and cheat his brother by pretending to be Esau, and he receives the blessings specifically designated for the oldest son. And then upon deceiving his father and cheating his brother, he runs away from his home in fear of the vengeance of his older brother Esau. He eventually ends up with Rebekah's brother Laban, his uncle. I've often said that Jacob's one of my favorite characters. I find him to be so relatable precisely because he is so flawed. Not only because of what he, does, what he does to his father and his brother and his family, but upon fleeing, he doesn't seem to show a lot of remorse for the wounds and the hurts that he's caused. He just leaves. He's the type of person, perhaps, in seasons past, I might have looked at such a person to say, there's no change in him. He's a lost cause. No need to invest anything worthy of me onto that person. And then you have Laban, Rebekah's brother, Isaac's uncle. It turns out that Laban, much like Jacob, is a deceiver and a cheater. Their initial encounter goes well enough. There is a welcome and embrace. But soon enough and surely, Laban sees in Jacob someone who is not only a hard worker, but someone who is fruitful who is anointed and who is blessed by God. And Laban attempts at every twist and turn to exploit Jacob's fruitfulness. When he finds out that Jacob has fallen in love with his younger daughter, Rachel, he hatches a plan. They come to an agreement, work seven years, and my younger daughter, Rachel, will be your wife. Now, we read in chapter 29 that the seven years, whoo, that's a long time. But he works seven years, but it seemed merely like days because of his love for Rachel. It's like, oh, how sweet. The wedding night comes. 
Laban sends his daughter to Jacob's tent, but it wasn't Rachel. It was the older daughter, Leah, with what we read as having weak eyes. Not exactly sure what that means. The very next morning, Jacob wakes up next to not Rachel, but Leah. What have you done, Laban? Why have you done this to me? Quick pause here. This is another day for another sermon, how Jacob could mistake an entire person for another. <laughs> Here's another pause. And this is another sermon for another day as well. Please note, and I can't go into this, but please note that Leah is betrayed by her father Laban and her husband Jacob. She is discarded by the two people who should have loved her the most. And it is precisely because of this later on, as you, as you should read on in Genesis, that God is merciful unto Leah, for God has seen her tears, seen her journey, seen that she's been abandoned by the people who should have taken care of her. So as it is in chapter 29, Laban does to Jacob cheating him, deceiving him, what Jacob does to his father and his brother. And it doesn't end there, by the way. It happens over and over again. Laban continues to do this over and over again. But as we know, God often works with those who are least expected, the deceivers and the doubters, despite Jacob's follies and Laban's dishonorable intentions, God works through Jacob to realize the co covenantal promises made first to Abraham and Sarah. So Jacob, despite all that Laban puts him through, becomes extraordinarily fruitful, successful, so much so that he harbors the anger and jealousy and envy and hatred of Laban and his sons. So he has to flee unexpectedly in the middle of the night with his wives, with his children, with his property, away from Laban and his threats. So where does he go? He goes back home. He goes back to his brother Esau. When we read on, particularly in chapter 32 and 33, we will witness to a remarkable shift in the character of Jacob. Something happened throughout his journey. Something happened between his leaving home and his returning home. He knows what may await him. He has no idea how Esau would respond if his vengeance has toned down. He prays on his journey back home. He prays to God saying, I am not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray thee. And you know how the story goes. Jacob sends his servants, his gifts, presents, vastness of his wealth before him as a peace offering to Esau. And the time comes when he finally greets his brother, older brother, brother that he has cheated, the brother that he has conned face to face. He's afraid. 
To his surprise, Esau is gracious. He welcomes him home. He says, Jacob, I don't need these presents from you. I'm just glad that you are back. To which, this is what Jacob tells his brother Esau. No, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. For truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God. With such favor have you received me. Except, I pray you, my gift that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. What a remarkable turnaround. Did you catch what happened here? There is an incredible transformation in Jacob. This is the very one who lied to his dad and cheated his older brother precisely because he saw himself as the one without. And now, as he returns home, he tells his older brother Esau, take all. He offers graciously and generously, confessing the Lord has dealt graciously with me, and I have enough. Take all. I like to think that in this remarkable transformation and turnabout in Jacob's life, that Laban had a part in this turnaround. That in Laban, Jacob got out Jacobed. In Laban, Jacob saw someone who was even more conniving, deceiving, despicable, someone who's even more annoying than himself. And instead of falling into despair, anger, and hatred, perhaps Jacob took another route. Perhaps Jacob saw his shadow side in his honest form and offered it to God to say, God, cleanse me of my sins. I offer my shadow to you in certain hope that your grace is greater than my shadows and experience the fullness of God's grace in his life and transformed his life around to a different path. On a side note, I think it would be good for you and for me and all others should we find certain folks, certain situations so unbearable and annoying, instead of discarding those people, perhaps we can pay attention to them. I'm not saying we need to be best friends with them, but simply to say perhaps there is a lesson here to be learned, truth to be confronted, shadows to be redeemed, and offer those things before God trusting that God's grace is bigger than our shadows. And on a more lighter note, should you find me annoying in any way, just remember that it speaks more about you than it does about me. <laughs> Let me end our time with a reflection by Dr. Howe last week. He reminded me, for those of us who follow him on social media, in conjunction with uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who's no longer with us, but they reflected upon Jacob asking the question, why Jacob? Why Jacob? Not righteous like Noah. Jacob hadn't responded to God's call like Abraham, and no sense of justice burned in him like Moses. So why Jacob? Jacob's heritage for us is this, though we may fall, we fall into the arms of God. Though others may lose faith in us, and though we may even lose faith in ourselves,
God never loses faith in us. And though we may feel utterly alone, we are not. God is there beside us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray together. God of light, love, and goodness, we give thanks for your presence in our lives today and all days. Guide us as we seek you and ourselves, our relationships in this world. Help us to pay attention, to see you, and to give thanks for all that you give us. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty God, we know you have seen all of our wounds. There is no amount of pain we experience that you do not mourn. You stay with us in our hurt. You hear our cries, and you desire our healing. We admit that we are so tempted to not care about our own pain, to compare it to others. Help us to see our pain as you see our pain. Help us to accept your love and your promise of healing. We are especially mindful of the pain and grief of the family of Pat Munn in the wake of her passing. Lord, in your mercy. God, we look around and it can be so easy to be consumed by despair. The world around us feels so out of control. We want to trust in you, but so many things are not as we hoped. We anxiously hear of temperatures rising, jobs dwindling, prices going up, and division growing amongst us. Our hearts are filled with dread. Help us to cling on to hope to not be dragged down by our fear, but to boldly face those realities with you as our companion. Help us to not be passive to these changes, but to let your imagination shape us and our responses. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we come to you for discernment. We have so many pressures in this world around how we spend our time, or who we spend our time with, or how we are perceived. Help us to quiet the voices of the world and to hear your voice instead. Help us to have the wisdom and the courage to live lives that glorify you. Lord, in your mercy. All loving God, we are grateful for community, to be connected whether it be virtually or in this space, to a body of people who are seeking hope and connection together. Let us be reminded of that connection as we pray the prayer your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
as we prepare for our offering, I want to celebrate that right now we have a, a, our monthly Discover Myers Park, which is a class in which people have said, yes, I want to know more about this church. I want to become members here. And that is such good news, and that is because of your faithful generosity. So thank you for your continued giving as we prepare for this time of offering.
gracious God, we know that all that is good comes from you. Help us to bring that goodness and love back into the world through these gifts and offerings. We have given them out of our love for you. Amen. thanks for everlasting God's grace that will always be greater than the sum of all of our shadows. So go now. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore.